This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Great to see you all at church this morning. So good to see such a big number here. You can tell daylight savings ended. As all of you are almost here on time. So well done, Baptists. Crushing it. Everyone online, you guys are always on time uh, because you can watch this an hour late and it starts from the start. So well done. Uh, welcome to those of you watching online. Hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. They watch from New South Wales every week. They're probably in Crankford to say hello. Hey, how are you? I'm sure I'll hear from you after the service. Dad'll have, my dad's an old Church of Christ pastor. They actually, my parents met at Bible college, and so he'll probably call me with about five things I could improve on. <laughs> Talk about pressure. <laughs> How are all good? Uh, we are on the uh, final run home with our Navigate series. We've only got one month left. We start a new series uh, in a month. Uh, we're kind of in a little umbrella at the moment in Acts 15, and we're talking about discerning, like discernment. Uh, and so that's where, we, that's where we're going today. We find a great example of this uh, at the Council of Jerusalem. That's like the bulk of uh, chapter 15. And we see this when the council meet uh, and some people first stand up at the council and say, if the Gentiles want to join us, then they need to keep the, uh, all of Moses' law to the letter and we need to circumcise them. Thank the Lord they, that the council happened because that would be awful being circumcised as an adult. And so that... I'm telling the truth. I'm here to preach. I'm going to speak the truth. That'd be awful. So thank goodness the council happened. But then so Peter then addressed the council. Thank the Lord for Peter. Peter stands up and gives this fantastic monologue just about reason and tradition and logic. And it just makes sense. And his, take, his big point is, why would we put a yoke on the Gentiles that nor us or our ancestors could bear? It doesn't make any sense. So then Paul and Barnabas stand up and they begin to share about the incredible signs and wonders that God is doing in the Gentile community. Like, it is going bananas. You can read the whole book of Acts, and it is like, this is ridiculous. What is going on? They share all of these stories, and then finally it's like a hush comes over the council. And then the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, it's like a hush came over the room, and James is there. He says, having taken all this into effect, I tend to agree with what Peter says. Makes a lot of sense. And what he says, it's also in agreement uh, with the prophets. And then uh, James goes on to absolutely butcher a quote from Amos. Seriously, it's, it's rough. It's a real rough, it's like, did you see the scores last night? Uh, it was kind of maybe this. I know Hawthorne won, but that's about it. I don't know who played yesterday, so I'm not really big into AFL. Uh, but he kind of butchers this quote from Amos. And then he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should do these four things, and kind of presents the four things that we get, which is... Uh, don't eat the meat of a strangled animal, steer clear of blood. Good point. That's, ugh. Unless you're a doctor, go for it, but not for us. Uh, abstain from sexual immorality uh, and also don't eat the meat of an animal that has been given to an idol. There were the four things and that's kind of how the whole council wrapped up. From there they wrote a letter and went on, but I'm assuming that next week they're going to get into that. So I won't jump into that. I don't want to ruin someone else's sermon. So that's the context that we see James... Jesus' brother, the Apostle James, he quotes scripture and it's kind of a part of this 
uh, discerning process that they're going through at the council. So we want to hone in a little bit on uh, reading the Bible pretty much. That's what we're all about today. You thought you came to church today ready to get some wisdom. You're going to go home thinking, read the Bible. If that's all you get, fantastic. I've done my job well. So I'll loop back to this idea of examining the scriptures for discernment. But first, because I've still got 16 and a half minutes, let's go on a little journey. Let's have a bit of fun with this. I don't just want to preach for five minutes and say, go read your Bible. You'd probably be a touch disappointed with your church experience this morning. So I want to loop back to the Gospel of John and to Jesus' teaching around discernment. I want to jump there and then I kind of want to smash the two ideas together eventually. Come with me, I'm sure it'll be fun. Gospel of John, chapters 14 through to 16, is quite an iconic part of Jesus' teaching. This is just after Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and he's like addressing the disciples kind of for the last time before he uh, is taken to be crucified. Uh, And this teaching has some cracking, like, stuff that you'll just be like, oh yeah, Jesus, that's the good stuff. He says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Iconic, right? He also says things like, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, remain in my love. Iconic Jesus teaching, right? Unreal. But there's also something, really, uh, something else that Jesus really stresses in this uh, address to the disciples, and that's the bit I want to touch on. Uh, in this teaching is when Jesus introduces us to the Holy Spirit. The Advocator, the Spirit of Truth, he promises us the Holy Spirit. And you can tell that the disciples were listening intently and they were a little bit confused. I know that because they were asking lots of questions and they tend to ask the same question. What do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean by this? I don't quite get it. But I think kind of it it came to light to them in the book of Acts. Uh, But let me kind of give you an example. John 16, 7, Jesus says this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Huh? Come again? The promised Messiah, God incarnate, God with skin, flesh, blood, walking on the ground that we're walking on, breathing the air that we breathe, the one who was the promised king, the one who was going to come back and lead Israel. He was finally here in flesh and blood. It's the week of Passover. It's all happening. The crowds are singing Hosanna. There's... Palm trees everywhere, apparently, in Israel, and it's all going off. And then Jesus says this line, I'm going away. It doesn't quite make sense. I can kind of understand, uh, the, I can kind of understand some of the disciples' questions, but let me go on. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. And you can almost sense that Jesus is saying this with a smile on his face. He's getting a bit giddy. He's a little bit excited about this. He says, unless I go away... The advocate, a word for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is inviting us and promising us the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now, remember, keep your little like. Remember, we're in the umbrella of discerning this morning. So here's a teaching from John 14, 26 that Jesus says. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He goes on in John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. We're talking about discerning and reading the Bible. 
But what does Jesus say about discerning? Seems pretty clear to me, at least from what I read from John 14 through 16, that it's the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. He will guide you into all of the truth. And he will tell you what is yet to come. You can make some pretty informed decisions if you know what's happening in the future. You can make some pretty good choices right now. I think so. So here's my conclusion. When it comes to discerning, it's the Holy Spirit. From the mouth of Jesus. So my question is, do we need to read the Bible to discern? If Jesus is kind of implying here that it's the Spirit of God who will discern for us. Now, to respond to this, I know I've gone from Acts. I was jumping in John. Now we're going to kind of hurdle over Acts again, and we're going to go to some of Paul's teaching in the book of Galatians. Now, as I read this passage from Galatians 6, I want your ears to be burning and listening to the word, the Spirit. See if you can catch it. Galatians 6, 7 to 8 says, Do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction, But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Did you catch that? Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, again, another conclusion I've come to. The Spirit will help us discern. Jesus has given us the Spirit, the Advocator, to lead us into all truth. But Paul's also saying, you can actually sow to the Spirit. You can sow to the Spirit, and you will reap eternal life. So another question, how then do we sow to the Spirit? How then do we sow to the Spirit? A quick answer for you this morning. I'm sorry if I'm rushing through. I've got 11 minutes left, and I love a short sermon. I'm a millennial, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm preaching. The answer to how we sow to the Spirit is spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices. Spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. What is the purpose of this? Well, sowing and reaping, what Paul talks about, it's farming language. Yeah? Farming language. You sow some seed, you reap a harvest. So let's play a little bit with that, the farming language. And what is the purpose of spiritual practices? Well, I would say it is to ready the soil of your soul, to cultivate a home for the Spirit within you. To ready the soil of your soul, to cultivate a home within you for the Spirit to dwell within you. And I have to believe, from the teachings of Jesus and from Paul, I have to believe that the Holy Spirit living within you will be the greatest discernment tool you can have. It will have to be the greatest discernment tool you can have. So, where does this take us? Let's jump into two spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that you can sow to the Spirit. You might be starting to see where I'm starting to smash these two things together, and hopefully it is. These two practices that we get come straight from Jesus. These are two things that Jesus did. It's also two things that James, the brother of Jesus, did. And you are going to be so unsurprised uh, when I tell you. Uh, From Jesus and James, personal Bible reading. Imagine standing in a room full of uh, Christians saying, read your Bible more. But this is where we're going to start. Personal Bible reading. Personal reading is a way to sow to the Spirit. And my, what I want you to leave with thinking today is that your posture is significantly more important than your technique. There are plenty of ways to read the Bible. 
Generally, you start from the left and you work your way across, but you can do Lectio Divina, you can do big passages aloud, uh, you can do scripture memorization. All of that is really good, but I want to say this, don't just read for reading's sake. When you sit down, uh, you set your alarm early at 5.30 on a cold winter's morning, that just sucks. And you open your Bible and you're like, why am I doing this? Think to yourself, I'm sowing to the Spirit and what do I reap? Eternal life. Eternal life. That'll bring the, that, that'll bring, the Spirit will bring to life uh, your morning reading at 5.30 uh, in the morning. It'll bring it to life. Now, posture is also important when you read your Bible. Don't expect that when you open your Bible that flames are just going to start appearing and an angel of the Lord is going to come down before you and slap you across the face and give you some amazing revelation from the Lord. You might be setting yourself up for a bit of a loss. To be honest, I'm not saying that won't happen. I'd love to see that on a TikTok one day, but I doubt I will. Uh, But your posture is more important. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. The idea is that you don't just read your Bible once and then you kind of put it on the dusty bookshelf again. Come back to it. Try and make, the more that you sow, uh, the more you'll reap. The more you sow reading your Bible, the more it will become a habit. When it becomes a habit, it will start to form your character. And when you form your character, that's cultivating and building a home for the spirit within you. Amen? Here is the second practice that I'm going to give you this morning. And the second practice, if you struggle with personal reading, like I do, I'm terrible at reading the Bible myself, uh, this second practice will help you in the first practice. And I'll give you a little example why. But the second practice is community reading. This is a bit of a lost art form, but it was a rich practice in Jewish heritage, Jewish tradition. You would go at least once a week to the synagogue. You would sit in a big group of people um, and a rabbi would stand at the front and they would read scripture and you would stand there. Now, There's a lot to be gained from this. When you read in community, you're not just sitting there awkwardly with a bunch of other people and it's kind of cramped and sweaty and it smells. But it's not just that. It can be that, depending on how well-centered your synagogue is. But when you read in community, it's afterwards you then go and you talk and you share and you recite and you recall and you talk with other people. And that's what brings life. That's a space where the Spirit Uh, can work within you. That's how you cultivate a home within you for the Spirit to dwell. Let me give you an example of how this can work and how it can also feed your personal reading. I am a golfer. I'm uh, I'm, I'm not proud, but I'm not not proud. I just like playing golf. But how did I get into golf? I didn't just randomly go down to drum and golf, buy the most expensive set of clubs I can, went and spent thousands of dollars on a membership and just started playing by myself. No, I had one friend who invited me to play golf many years ago. And I thought to myself, oh, I've got an old set of clubs in the garage. Sure, why not? I went and played with this mate. We had a great time. We chatted, we laughed, we talked about life. It was fantastic. The next week, rings me up again. Hey, mate, do you want to go and play another round of golf? And surely enough, over time, we started playing golf regularly and then more of us began to play. This is also pre-COVID, by the way, a simpler time for all, but this was it. But what eventually happened is that I got sucked into playing golf because I love the community so much. I love being able to chat with my mates. I love just talking about life. I also just like being in the outdoors. It's really nice. But what eventually happened from all this is that my mate moved away, but I kept playing golf by myself. Why did I keep playing golf by myself? Well, it's because I discovered that for me, golf does a lot of really fantastic things for me. It's a four-hour block in the week 
when I can just slow down. I can be at peace. My mind can slow down and turn off from all the stuff that has just been bombarding me and I just get to walk around in silence and play golf by myself. And it is life-giving. It's amazing. It's weird, but when I play golf, the spirit of the Lord is on me. If only it was on my scorecard. <laughs> Man's never prayed so hard for a scorecard in his life, but it's not fixing anything. But this is where the life of community comes. If you struggle with reading your Bible, start reading in community. And do it regularly. Do it every week. Go, to, go find someone to have morning coffee with once a week or once a fortnight. Go to someone's house and if you're in a... Like, Go to someone's house and have dinner. Small groups here at New Hope are a fantastic way to practice public reading of Scripture. And what it will do, it will, it, will, it will cultivate a home in you for the Spirit to work. But it will also feed your personal reading. You will get hungry to read uh, the Scriptures a little more often. So they're the two practices. That's why we should read the Bible, because it cultiva- it's, uh, it's a way to ready the soil of your soul, to cultivate a home within you for the Spirit to do uh, some really good work. Some really, really good work. Um, personal reading, community reading. Everyone got that? Personal reading, community reading, cultivate a home for the Spirit. That's all I'm really here to say. Now, I've been teasing you a little bit. Let's address the baseball in the room. <laughs> uh, I just want to touch on sowing to the Spirit. Uh, that fantastic image that we get from Galatians 7 to 8 from Paul. Now, The way that sowing works, this is called the law of returns, sowing and reaping. Sorry, I get really distracted. This is a really bad idea to use a baseball as a sermon illustration. Sowing and reaping. The best way to describe sowing and reaping is that when you sow something, you don't get the exact thing in return. If you sow an apple seed, you will not get one apple seed in return. It doesn't work like that. You sow an apple seed and you reap a tree, which then harvests many apples for many more apple seeds to grow many more trees. That's how sowing and reaping works. Now the baseball. This baseball is the very first gift that I bought for a girl named Claire eight years ago. The very first gift. She absolutely hated it. (laughs) We just moved house and we found it again. But I I found this baseball recently and it reminded me of, my goodness, this is the very first gift that I ever bought her. Granted, she hated it, but just reminded me that this is the first little thing that I sowed into our relationship. But I didn't just stop there, did I? I sowed my time. I sowed my energy. I sowed some date, uh, some date, date nights. Uh, I sowed my bank account. <laughs> and eventually Claire started sowing as well, but you have to be persistent, you have to keep trying. Sometimes reading your Bible at the start's really hard, but keep going. You will cultivate a home. With this small baseball at the start, I cultivated a marriage and a home. And I'm continuing to cultivate a home and a marriage. Oh, thanks, Paula. That's nice. It is quite funny because Claire absolutely despises this, or despises the baseball, now finds it really funny because, you know, we're married and all. But I would say that the same is true of our Bible reading. And I would say that practicing personal reading and uh, community reading Um, is really just a great way to sow to the Spirit to reap eternal life. And I don't want to take those words from Paul particularly lightly because he also says that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. Everything in life, 24-7, everything that you come across, that you hear, that you listen, you sing, you do, forms you. 
and it either forms you into Christ-likeness or it forms you into destruction, which is what Paul is saying. If you feed the flesh, the same is true. It's not you sow one bad deed and you reap a small bit of character. No. The same is true of the flesh. You sow something bad and it will reap something quite significant as well. It goes, it's true both ways. So the call is to faithfulness, to reading the scriptures, personally and communally. Um, because what you reap, you will sow. And if you sow to please the Spirit from the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Ready the soil of your soul to cultivate a home for the Spirit within you. 20 minutes, amen. Let me pray. Uh, Lord God, we just come before you, and Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift of the Bible. Lord, we thank you that we have the words of Jesus written down on paper so that we can read and meditate and that we can do this not just for reading's sake, but do it so that we can cultivate a home for the Spirit within us. Lord, by your Spirit, may you enrich us. May you empower us. May you lead us. May you guide us. Lord, lead us into all truth. And Lord, do it at a level that's individual. Do it in our personal life. Uh, in the bits and pieces that no one else sees, but Lord, also just empower us by your Spirit in our, within our community. Lord, through these practices, may we seek your face. May we sense your presence having a real influence in our lives, in every decision, in every moment of every day. do this as an act of obedience to you. But Lord, above all, empower us to cultivate a home within us for the Spirit to work, for the Spirit to minister to us, for the Spirit to lead in truth and in power, in deed and in thought. And Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have been able to share this morning. Lord, we honour you, we praise you. We thank you for all that you've done.